Hello, and welcome again to Grafted Branches, a podcast all about getting to know Jesus in the context of first century Israel. With me is my beautiful wife, Deborah. And a warm hello to all our listeners. Drew, what are we going to talk about today in this podcast? Well, I'm glad you asked, because today we're going to talk about the bad guys. It seems in everything we do, there has to be at least two kinds of people, the good guys and the bad guys. Whether on stage, television, film, or even in life, we always have good guys, the protagonist, and the bad guys. The antagonist. I didn't even pronounce that very well, but uh, they're the bad guys. Since our podcast, though, is about getting to know Jesus in the context of his day, whom might the good and the bad guys be? Well, I think it would be safe to say most of us believe the good guys are those who follow Jesus and the bad guys are the Sadducees and the Pharisees. Hmm. To most people, these two groups, Sadducees and Pharisees, mentioned throughout the Gospels, are the villains, the bad guys. But we need to ask ourselves, are both of these groups the bad guys? Let's look at the very first introduction to Pharisees and Sadducees that we find in the Gospels. And it comes from Matthew chapter 3, verse 7. Quote, But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming for baptism, John the Baptist said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? John calls them a brood of vipers. What an introduction to the two most important and influential groups of people in Jesus' day. In Hebrew, the word for viper or snake is nahash. The same word used for the being which deceived Eve in the Garden of Eden. Oh, that's pretty strong wording. No wonder people begin with a really bad view of these people. Let's put that statement back into context. In Matthew 3, just before that famous saying, John the Baptist makes his proclamation, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, and then tells him to bear fruit in keeping with repentance which is what repentance is all about. Does the fruit John is talking about have something to do with calling them vipers or snakes? Could that also be a reference to the snake in the Garden of Eden who deceived Eve? The imagery here is pretty clear. Stop deceiving people. Repentance is turning from the wrong we're doing, face God, and follow Him by living by His instructions for life, which in turn produces good fruit in our lives. I think it's important to notice the text says this, many Pharisees and Sadducees came. It's important to notice that not all of them came. That indicates to me at least, not all of the people in these two groups are bad guys. It sure is easy to miss that one little word and think that in our minds that all Sadducees and Pharisees were the bad guys. You know, I was surprised uh, when I found out that some of the very first followers of Jesus were actually Pharisees. I'd always been taught 
that to be a Pharisee was to be anti-Jesus. And yet in the Gospels and the Acts, they're often found as believers in him. We tend to overlook the fact that uh, there were Pharisees sitting on the very first church council uh, when they were trying to figure out what to do with all these Gentiles who were becoming followers of Jesus. What is very interesting is in the text, we see Pharisees who believed it, believed that Jesus was Messiah, while there's no mention of Sadducees who believed. Writings from the time period record that not all the priests were of the Sadducean sect. An example is John the Baptist's father, Zechariah, who was a priest who served in the temple and his wife, Elizabeth. Both were called righteous in the sight of God, walking blameless in all the commandments and requirements of the Lord. So let's spend this podcast focused on who the Sadducees were. Okay. Unlike the Pharisees, most of what we know about the Sadducees was written by those who disliked them. And so far, no one has found any writings attributed directly to the Sadducees. However, this may be due to the destruction of the temple by the Romans in 70 AD. So, Deborah, can you give our listeners a quick overview of who the Sadducees were during Jesus' time period? Sure. The sect of the Sadducees, for the most part, were what our Bible calls the priest, chief priest, and the high priest. They ran the temple in Jerusalem and managed the sacrificial system. They represented the older establishment of priests, aristocrats, and wealthier merchants. Herod appointed and dismissed high priests arbitrarily. Because of this, the leadership of the priesthood had declined considerably. They were no longer the teachers of the nation, and it was not unusual for the high priest not to be very well educated in the Bible. Because of this, they had less influence on the religious views of the Jewish population because during this time period, they were considered corrupt. They also held the majority on the Sanhedrin, which was the central religious political council based in the temple. Of the 70 positions, they held 65 seats and the Pharisees only five. They believed in the Torah only, the first five books of the Bible. And they took the Torah, and only the Torah, literally. Probably because it very specifically defines the roles and authority they have in the culture. Did you notice that the Gospels don't call them sons of Aaron, but rather uses the name Sadducees to point them out as a group? So why is this important? Well, because Sadducees are a sect of the priests, but not all priests are Sadducees. So let's look at these people and how their beliefs affect their lifestyle. I think the simplest and probably the most influential belief the Sadducees held was this. There isn't an afterlife. That's right. They believed when one dies, it's over. There's nothing else, no afterlife, and therefore nothing to look forward to, good or bad. And if you think about it, you will have a hard time finding a mention on the afterlife in the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. The famous Jewish historian Josephus said this, But the doctrine of the Sadducees is this, that souls die with their bodies. 
If that's true, then it would make sense that the Sadducees would be more concerned with the rewards and comforts of life today. There's an ancient teaching which was said to have influenced their ideas about the afterlife. Quote, what servant would work all day without obtaining his reward in the evening? Their understanding of this idea meant that prosperity and enjoyment of life was God's blessing, something they taught and lived out. It also seems that history paints a picture of the Sadducees embracing Greek Hellenism and all its luxuries and pleasures. Have you ever noticed that that uh, very same teaching seems to have crept into many churches and sects these days? Some call it the prosperity message, but it's the same thing. The ultimate goal is living life to the fullest and most enjoyable possible. Paul addressed this issue this way in 1 Corinthians 15.32. If the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Could he have been referring to Hellenistic teachings and the lifestyle of the Sadducees? Probably not, because he was writing to the people of Corinth. It was most likely all about the Greek philosophy of life known as Hellenism. Deborah, why is it important to know something about Hellenism? And how are the Sadducees a part of it? Well, without taking too much time, Hellenism is the general embracing of the Greek life. And I think you mean not about frat houses and toga parties on college campuses. For the middle to upper class citizens, it meant a life filled with all the comforts life could offer. The sports, theater, arts, beauty, the gymnasium, and social status were what counted. Greek became the primary language of these people, a kind of upper-class subtlety to mark their status. Sadducees are remembered in history as a group who embraced this philosophy of life. And while they rejected the polytheistic Greek gods, they held closely to the enjoyment and comforts it provided. Being part of the priestly class, they automatically had a religious and political status which it seems they took full advantage of. Hmm. And this brings me to a story in Acts, where Saul, later known as Paul, is being introduced to the disciples in Jerusalem after his encounter on the road to Damascus. In Acts 9.29, we find Saul arguing with a group called Hellenists, who, by the way, were trying to kill him. Why were these Hellenists wanting to put Saul to death? Well, being a good student, and like all good students, I checked to see what various commentators had to say about this. What I found was a gentle, excuse me, a general consensus. The Hellenistic Jews were those who had returned to Jerusalem, and they mainly spoke the Greek language and whose lifestyle became more Hellenistic than Jewish. But are there any other mention of Hellenist in the text? The answer is yes. In Acts 6.1, there seems to be Hellenists who have become disciples of Jesus, and there appears to be a conflict between them and the Hebrew or native Jews. To me, it is clear there is a conflict between the more traditional Jewish people and those who embrace the Hellenistic lifestyle of the day. 
However, the Hellenists mentioned in Acts 9.29 were attempting to put him to death. They wanted Saul killed for saying Jesus is the Messiah. It was such a valid threat, the disciples of Jesus took him to the port city of Caesarea, put him on a ship, and sent him away. It would appear these Hellenists weren't just some run-of-the-mill Greek-speaking Jews. Could it be they shared the same worldview as the Sadducees and felt Paul's message was threatening their way of life? Hmm, I think it's important for our listeners to observe there was an ongoing tension and conflict between those with a Hellenistic worldview and the Jewish people with a more of a Hebrew worldview. But where did the Sadducees fit in? Well, as we pointed out, the Sadducees were the priestly class, the descendants of Aaron, whose biblical responsibility was to run the temple, the sacrificial system in Jerusalem, and to teach. At the same time, they enjoyed the benefits of their position, the Hellenistic Greek culture of the day, and at least a neutral relationship with Rome. Because they did not believe in the afterlife and the more traditional values of the Pharisees, there's an unavoidable conflict that I believe also extended to Jesus. However, what is important to see is how their beliefs affected their response to Jesus. Let's face it. If Jesus is the Messiah, everything the Sadducees enjoy and seem to believe in will be turned over. Exactly. It's a lesson I think we can learn from. I have often heard people say, don't be a Pharisee. Shouldn't we really be asking, am am I a Sadducee? Do I believe my comfort and prosperity is a sign, a blessing, or some sort of reward from God for belief or living right? Could it be that there is a little bit of Sadducees in all of us after all? You know, there's nothing inherently wrong with enjoying the fruit and blessings of our life's hard work. But in our pursuit of careers, homes, cars, and vacations, have we become self-centered and in the process forgotten to use our abundance to help others succeed in life? It's time to ask ourselves hard questions. Like the Sadducees, do we pick and choose those parts of God's instruction which only benefit us? Like the Sadducees who embraced Hellenism and the Greek culture of the day, do we embrace the popular culture of our day? Has the obsession with self, popularity, comfort, pleasure, entertainment, and sexuality filtered unnoticed into our lives, our homes, and our churches? And finally, like the Sadducees who today are known through the writings of those who did not like them. Will we be known in a similar way? How will we be remembered by our neighbors, co-workers, and family members? True. You've given us a lot to think about. You know, I'd like for the people that are listening to our podcast to write us a note about the lessons you've learned from the lives of the Sadducees send it to us at comments 
at graftedbranches.org. Also, check out our website, graftedbranches.org, where you will have or find additional information and resources on topics we've discussed in all of our podcasts. In our next podcast, we will be discussing who the Pharisees were, and if you're like me, you're going to be totally surprised. Well, I'm looking forward to it. But for all of you listening, until our next podcast, we leave you with this. Get to know him, what he taught, and go live it.